All right, we're going to go into the Word, um, and it's going to sound like a song in your heart um, as we get into it. But let's just close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your deep affection towards us. And right now, Lord, in this moment, as we center our minds and our hearts around you, come and bring us the peace that we maybe need. Come and center our thoughts around you. Everything that we maybe find somewhere else, come and do it right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch our hearts, come and touch our minds, help us to experience just your presence and your peace and your love in this moment. Amen. Amen. So we are in week three of our Abide series, and tonight we're speaking about the Word Feeds Our Spirit. <laughs> okay, it's South Africa, guys. It takes a bit longer. <laughs> the Word Feeds Our Spirit. Now, last week Sunday, Philip Pretorius preached on the Word Gives Life, and tonight we're going to speak about the Word Feeds Our Spirit. So if you missed last Sunday... Everything you need to know about church, you can find on Online. If you need to sign up for trainings or events, if you need to listen to previous messages, Online is your place to go. If you want to make new friends, Online is your place to go. Um, I don't know how that works yet, but just go there. I mean, you never know. Uh, but we're going to have a little bit of an in-between space. So last week we spoke about the Word Gives Life, and it's a space where you come to a re- re- realization that apart from God, you do not have life, whether we acknowledge it or not. But if God was to withdraw himself from the earth, we would all perish. So the word of God gives life, but God himself is life. Jesus is life. So we are extremely dependent on God, whether we want to be or not. Um, Even when we disown God, even when we um, refuse to acknowledge God, it is his, his grace that is still at work in the world today, to keep us from actually just stop breathing because the breath in our lungs are a gift from God. Now, tonight we're going to speak about the word feeds our spirit, and there's this process in between um, that we're going to touch on a little bit. But before we continue, we're going to form groups of three to four people. Okay, so um, quickly form groups of three to four people. If you came with three to, two to three people, then you're welcome to, to sit with them. If you don't like the people you came with tonight, then this is your chance to sit with someone else. Okay. Milani, please sit with your man. All right. And then, as you've got your group, you're going to go to the scripture that's on the board, John 6, verse 47 to 59. And you're going to nominate two people in your group that's going to read the scripture. So... Both people will have an opportunity to read the scripture in your groups. Um, You need to read it, obviously, not that loud that the other people can't hear each other, but read it loud enough that the other people in your group can at least hear you. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple of moments. John 6, 47 to 59, read it twice in your group. And if you have different translations amongst one another, then fluctuate the translation. All right. So, um, Jesus makes a couple of statement, statements in this, and we're going to unpack it, but he says, I am the bread of life, I am the living bread, and if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. All right, that's good news, right? We don't necessarily know what it means, but it's good news because it's in the Bible. Yes? Okay. So, 
Jesus speaks about this concept that he is the bread of life. And if we feed on him, we will live forever. And then he said some weird things like eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And we'll explain that now now. Um, but this concept of feeding on Jesus. And the, the, the title for today is the word feeds our spirit. Now throughout this whole week, and we're going to quickly recap just from the devotionals that we had this week the different elements of how we get to feed on the Word of God, how the Word of God sustain us, sustains us, how the Word of God enables us to experience this newness of life, but also, like Jesus promises, if we feed on Him, we will live forever. Okay, and that's good news. Now, if you missed the devotionals throughout this week, if you go to Highfield Online, you'll find a space that looks like that image on the board, like Abide. If you click on it, it'll take you to the devotional and even throughout the, the rest of the year, go back to the devotionals. Um, whom of you were encouraged by it? Okay. I know all of you were. You're just shy to raise your hand in church because you're afraid that you might have to stand up and say something. But go back to it. Go back into the devotionals. Go back into Scripture um, and read, let God realign your heart once again with um, what He has maybe stirred inside of you during this week. But the first uh, devotional was the Word is like bread. And from the devotional, it said, just as our bodies crave bread, we should crave God's word, living in constant awareness of our need for him and his words every day. Now, obviously, in the ancient times, bread was a much greater commodity than maybe it is in today's time. Some of you are lactose intolerant and glucose intolerant and this intolerant and that intolerant, and then you end up not having to be able to eat bread. Anyone like that in here? Okay. But you really want to eat bread, right? I mean, when that fresh smell of bread comes out. Potatoes, meat, and bread will be tough for me to give up. Um, but your body craves food. But Jesus says, more than normal food, we crave spiritual food. And if any of you were to go a day without food, you'll call that fasting. Um, but if you go a couple of days without food, without any purpose, it's not fasting anymore. It's just starvation. And if one of my friends were to come to me and say, hey, I haven't eaten for the last two days, um, I wouldn't necessarily say, man, you're so, so great eh, that you get to live without food. I wish I could do that. And I was like, is everything okay? Do you need help? <laughs> um, did you lose your job? Do you need financial support? Do we need to make a plan? Because we need food, strength for our bodies to actually survive. How much more are spirits? How much more do, does our spirit need to engage with the word of God that is able to feed it and sustain it? And what Jesus is saying, just as your natural body isn't designed to go a day without food and, and nourishment. Your spirit man isn't designed by God to go a day without feeding on the Word of God. All right, so whom of you spend time every day in your Bible? You don't miss a day. Don't raise your hand. Okay. We need to get into the Word of God daily, uh, and it comes from a place of understanding our deep dependency that our spirit needs to feed on God's Word. The second day we spoke about the Word is a seed. Now, if you come from a farming community or you've done some vegetable gardening and you failed miserably, that's how I feel about my tomato plants, plants. I, I've, I've plucked them all out. Like, I'm not planting tomatoes anymore because they just um, attract white little flies um, and they irritate me, so I've plucked all my tomatoes out. But I don't buy the seeds from a packet because that takes too long. I buy the pre-planted ones. But then when you buy a packet of seeds and you put them on your hand, they don't look like much, right? And you're like, okay, this is going to grow into something spectacular. But the seed needs to put into good soil. 
where there's enough nourishment and um, like nutritional value in the soil. You've got to water it, etc., 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 for the seed to grow. But you also get corrupt seeds. You also get seeds that don't take. But now the Bible says that the Word of God is like a seed. Now the good thing about the seed and the Word, the Word is Jesus, but this seed is perfect. This seed will never fail. So when the seed takes root in good soil, it will produce much fruit. That's a guarantee. There's no problem with the seed. The seed just needs to be placed into soil that is receptive, humble, a moldable heart, a place where you say, God, I'm allowing you to come and shape me. I'm allowing you to come and work in me. And this seed will take root. This seed will grow up. This seed will bear much fruit. From the, the devotionals, it said, when we open up the living and abiding Word of God, we encounter the God of the universe, the one who created all things and is making all things new. And when we meet Him, our lives can't help but be transformed. There may be areas of your life that have felt dry. Maybe your love for the lost, for those who do not know Jesus, has waned. Or your passion for God's mission has been quenched. God's living and abiding Word will never lose its power it's, it, to touch every dull, dry, and dead area of your life. It will never lose its power. There isn't a space where God has given you enough times to take hold of Him, and you've rejected it, or you've neglected it, or you've maybe become passive, and God says, well, that's the amount of seed I had for you. Um, your, that's it. Like, yours is up. It doesn't run out. It never runs dry. It never loses its power. When you allow the Word of God to take hold of your heart, it will grow. It will bear much fruit. It goes on and says, and as His Word touches and transforms our lives, we can't help but sow this imperishable seed, sharing the good news of what Jesus has done to save us wherever we go. That's what the seed will do. It'll bring newness of life into your own life areas where, where it's dry areas, where you feel there's a lack of connection between you and God, a lack of passion for God. It will start to replenish and renew those areas of your life, but then it will also bear fruit outside yourself, that you'll be able to carry something to those who do not know Jesus. Our lives start to bear fruit. Then the, we, uh, the third one was the word is a light. It shows the way. My friends, this is good news because you and I don't have to be dependent on our own understanding. We don't have to rely on ourselves when you are faced with a difficult situation or you're in a difficult circumstance or you need to make a decision about your life or about your future. You need wisdom. You need guidance. The Word of God is a light unto your feet. It shows you where to go. You do not need to wander in darkness. And maybe it's not just so much something about the future that you're unclear of. Maybe your current situation is dark. Maybe there's a darkness in, um, in your life practically, but maybe it's mentally. Maybe there's a darkness in your mind. The Word of God is a light. It shows the way. The Word is a mirror. It reveals ourselves to us. And the Scripture says that a foolish person looks into the Word and then walks away, forgetting what he has seen. Okay, so this is maybe more applicable to, to, to some in the room more than others. But you know when you wake up in the morning and um, you wash your face and you brush your teeth, because remember, we brush our teeth morning and evening, right? So when you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, <laughs> and then you wash your face, you do your hair, but now you wash your face and you walk away, but you didn't really see what's happening in the mirror. And maybe your hair, like mine, sometimes it stands like this, and then you go out, but you didn't really perceive what it looks like, and then you look like an idiot to the outside, 
because you didn't really perceive what you're seeing. Now, the Word says sometimes when we open up our Bibles and the Bible reveals ourselves to us, what does it mean? It shows you what's really inside of your heart. It shows you who you really are. It shows you areas where God still wants to come and work in your life. And then sometimes we close our Bibles and we walk away and we forget what we saw. And then nothing changes. And the Bible says such a man is a fool who lets the Word show him, but then he doesn't remember anything. He doesn't apply anything from what he has learned. Now, the mirror is also a little bit scary because it shows you who you are. It shows you who you are, and sometimes we might not even really want to engage with the Word of God and be still with God because it's a scary space because we're not sure whether we're ready for God to show us who we really are, that there might be a space of guilt or shame, and we don't want to engage with those emotions, so then we just don't go into the Word of God, and we almost like become dependent on these, like a junk food Christianity. All right, so the Word of God feeds our spirits, and instead of us sitting down with, for a meal with God, we have these promise boxes, a verse a day, and you just pick one up. Okay, cool, and you put that aside. They can have a purpose, but there's a space where God wants you to come and sit with Him, and not just have these takeaway moments, to come and engage with Him, and let His Word not just reveal to you who you are, but also start to wash you, start to cleanse you. And it goes to the next point, day five. We said the word is a hammer. From the devotions, it said, as we walk with Jesus, it's possible for our hearts to become hardened. This can happen through a secret sin that goes unconfessed, bitterness that comes from unforgiveness, or the cynicism that creeps into our hearts when a prayer goes unanswered. During these times, we may find ourselves endlessly scrolling on social media, reading negative news, um, online and binge watching television more than abiding in God's word. But when we open up the word of God, we experience the weight of his hammer, able to crush and shatter the sin, bitterness, and cynicism of a hardened heart as we respond in humility and repentance. So there's areas where our hearts can become hardened. There's areas of our lives where we've almost created barriers between us and God and us and people because of what has happened in the past, either stuff that you've done like it said, there's maybe an unconfessed sin, something that is still in, in secret in your heart, and nobody knows this, but it causes a barrier, a hardness of heart in your life, or something that has happened to you, and now you're still sitting with this unforgiveness in your heart. You're still sitting with this bitterness in your heart, and it is causing a hardness of heart so that the Word of God isn't necessarily able to penetrate into your soul, but the Word also works like a hammer. And it starts to sl slowly but surely start to break down these hard places in our hearts. It's like a God starting to sculpt areas of your life. Now, if you think about a sculpture, okay, I'm not a sculpture, but imagine a sculpture. Um, and now you've got a chisel, and you start to chisel, but you have a picture in mind, right? So you have an idea in mind, and you're busy shaping this sculpture into the image, the perfect image that you have in mind. So what is the perfect image that God has in mind for every single one of us? Who? Jesus. Jesus is not shaping and sculpting you into a better version of you. He's not busy shaping and sculpting you into your parents' idea of you, your boyfriend's or your girlfriend's idea of you, or your husband's idea of you. He's shaping you into the image of himself. Now, can we confess and um, acknowledge that there's areas of our lives that still need to be sculpted? And some of those things are not so lacquer. 
but God is working, and praise God that He's gentle, but He is intentional. And as we come before Him, and as we get into the Word of God, and we allow the Word of God to do its work, it will start to sculpt certain areas of your life. And it has to chisel away certain parts of your life because it has a greater picture in mind. And some of these things that God is sculpting away can be sin, where God is addressing a certain area of sin in your life, and you know it's sin. And God is starting to address that area in your life. It might be a place of unforgiveness where God is revealing to you, hey, here is still something that you're holding on to. You need to let go. The Bible says that if we do not let go of unforgiveness, a root of bitterness will sprout up inside of you and it will defile many. You will walk away bitter. So God starts to chisel away certain areas of our lives because He wants us to be free. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healed. He might even chisel away things in your life that are not necessarily wrong, but you are holding on to them too tightly, and if you're holding on to them too tightly, you cannot fully hold on to Him. So it's not necessarily a bad thing in itself, but it's calling you into a deeper place of knowing Him, so it's chiseling away certain areas of your life. Now the Bible says that, um, that God is a good shepherd. John 15 says that our Father is a, is a good vine dresser. So God's intentions towards you are good. His intentions towards you are good. And the picture that he has in mind is the perfect image of Christ. He's busy shaping us to become like Jesus. Day six, the word is a sword. But as we read in the living and active word, this double-edged sword will pierce us, showing us what's really in our hearts and transforming us more and more into Christ's image as we respond in repentance and faith. And I love that. We'll get to that a bit later. The Word of God is like a, a double-edged sword, and it's busy cutting into bone and marrow, discerning even your thoughts and your intentions, and it is revealing stuff in our hearts. It's busy shaping us. Now, friends, there is no space in Christ where He will leave you with deception. God will not leave you in a place where you believe something to be true, but it actually it's not. That's not love. God will not leave you in a place of brokenness. God will not leave you in a place of bondage where you're still in a stronghold in your life in some area because He has set you free for freedom's sake. So God, when we say yes to following Jesus, we say yes to becoming like Jesus and there's this intentional space where God is shaping our lives and it will maybe hurt in some places. But the same in everything. When you have to go for a surgery or an operation, there's a part of that surgery that is hurting you. There's a part of that operation that is painful. Even in the recovery process, there might be a pain that you get to walk with, but the end goal is that you will be healed. The end goal is that you will be restored. The end goal is that you will be full. And that's God's intention for all of us. And then the last one is the word is our foundation. And, and I loved almost like this, um, what is it? Uh, I don't know what the English word is now. I'll just read it. Participating in an annual five-day fast is not enough to build your life on a firm foundation. It is in the lifestyle of daily reading and obeying God's Word that we build in such a way that the storms of life can't tear us down. So we start our year with a year of prayer and fasting. We're saying, God, we're consecrating ourselves before you, and we're acknowledging that you are the Creator, we are not. You are God, we are not. We're um, giving over our lives to you and allowing you to speak into our lives and to shape our lives. But it doesn't end at the end of a prayer and fast week. 
where God's desire for you and me is not to come to Him in moments, be filled up, and then it's enough, and you can run for the rest of the year. No, this is just the foundation. The Bible says that he who comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms of life came, it could not um, break that house down. But the foolish man who comes into the word, but he does not obey them, he doesn't apply them, is like the man who built his house on the sand. And when the storms come, the house fell. And that's God's heart for us. There will be storms. You see, the Bible doesn't promise us a storm-free life. Um, whom of you have had a storm-free life up until this time? Maybe the only one. Not even Christian can say he had a storm-free life because he just whistled his thunder, right? I mean, that's hectic. Yeah, yeah you haven't had a storm-free life. None of us have had a storm-free life, and the Bible doesn't promise that. And if anyone has ever pitched to you a Christianity where everything in life will just be perfect and all of your prayers will always be answered and all of your dreams will come true, that's not Jesus. That's something else. That's some sort of fairy tale. When we follow the words of Jesus, he doesn't promise you a storm-free life. He doesn't promise you that life will never be tough, but he does promise that you'll have a storm-proof life, that when the storms come, your house will be shaken but will not fall. And that's good news. So may we continue to build our lives on the foundation of God's word. So the word feeds our spirit. And the first thing is this, this um, when we think about this, is this is spiritual before it is natural. So the word feeds your spirit. So you have to engage with the word of God with your spirit. Now here's the good news. When you are born again, your spirit being is made alive and you get to engage with God in a different way that you were able to before you were born again. But the word feeds your spirit and we need to sit with God and engage with the word of God with our spirit, not with your emotions. Your emotions will lead you into many different um, places. Your feelings will tell you many different things. Your flesh will tell you that it's weak and it's tired and it doesn't want to wake up early and it doesn't want to spend time with God now. But your spirit is hungry, your spirit is willing, your spirit is desiring to draw close to God. And as you engage with the word of God with your spirit, your flesh will start to submit your flesh will start to follow your spirit. And those who are led by the flesh are called sons of God. No. <laughs> those who are led by the spirit are called sons of God. And you get to engage with the word with your spirit. Now, the word is not a pathway to get what you want. We don't have certain lists of things. And maybe we go into the prayer and fast week and we have this list of things that we want Jesus to do. And then... We say, okay, I want provision. Matthew 6. Do not worry about what you want in life. <laughs> I want a healthy relationship. I want peace. And you go and look for the scripture to try and give you what you want. No, the word is Christ. You spend time in the scripture to know Jesus. Jesus is what your soul is deeply craving above everything else. You might think it's something else, but you were designed to know your creator. And that is what you're longing for. And when you open up your Bible, may God give you answers to prayer, but what you're really looking for is Jesus. And the Word became flesh. The Word is Christ. Now I want to touch quickly on three barriers to feeding on the Word. The first one is unbelief. Not trusting or believing that God is able. Not trusting that God is able to do what He promises in His Word. And some of it might be when you go through, let's say you go through a, 
a dark emotional space. You've just gone through a breakup and you feel lonely. You feel you miss that space of comfort. You miss that space of belonging. And God says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now, we might not press into that because, number one, we might not know the Scripture. <laughs> we might not know what the Bible is saying about it. But the second part means that you not, might not know the God of the Scripture. Where God can say many things, but you do, if you do not know His character, if you do not know His nature, why would you trust Him? Why would you entrust your lonely heart to a God you do not know? You won't. Why would you entrust a broken heart, a confused heart, a hurting heart, to a God that you do not know. And unless we spend time to know God, then we'll always struggle with unbelief. Unbelief is rooted in knowing who God is. And then we step out in faith. Say, God, I'm gonna trust you in this. And as you step out in faith, you get to experience the God that of the Bible to be true to the words of the Bible, that he will not leave you, will not forsake you. He will not make promises to you that he doesn't keep. It's not in his nature. The second one is we feed on other things. And this goes with number one. We feed on other things. You see, if, if you're always feasting on junk food, you won't necessarily have a desire for a proper meal. If you're always full, like if you're always eating junk food, um, you won't feel hungry necessarily, but you'll be very unhealthy. And some people are... Um, spiritually very, very unhealthy, either in an obese state because you're eating the wrong stuff or in a, um, what's the opposite of obese? What? Malnourished, um, anorexic state. <laughs> because you're not feeding on God. You're not allowing your spirit to feed on God. And, and sometimes it's simple things where you'll get bad news at work um, and you'll get home and you feel like, yes, I really need to spend time with God and just to, to, to lift my spirits a bit, but let me just watch one or two or three series first and then I'll go to God. So I'm putting my faith in a TV series to give me what only God can give me. I may be going through a bad space in a relationship and my heart is hurting. And I'm thinking, yes, I really need God to come and heal this broken area in my heart, but I wonder if my friends are going out tonight. And I seek the comfort of my friends more than I seek the healing of my father. And God is calling us deeper. God is calling us to, to let go of the things that cannot really give you what you so deeply crave. We feed on other things and we don't go to the word of God first. We're tired. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Whom of you would like some rest? Okay, whom of you are a little bit tired and you need rest? Whom of you need a holiday? It's only January, guys. Come on. <laughs> so you come home and you're like, man, I'm so tired. I really need this rest that Jesus promises. Let me watch a movie. So I'm seeking spiritual rest in an earthly thing. You'll never find it. You'll never find it. And then the last one is disobedience. Sometimes we don't want to obey Jesus. And sometimes it's a familiar, familiarity where we've become familiar with our Christianity. You've maybe been saved for a couple of years and you've become familiar with the Word of God. And when you open up your Bible, Richard, our friend from Germany, said that some of the parts in it, is a, you have a Bible that isn't highlighted, right? Because sometimes I open my Bible, I just want to get there, 
Let me go to Matthew 6. You'll see that it's highlighted. And it even has sticky notes. Okay, so I open my Bible, and there's stuff that is highlighted, and there's notes and everything, and I'm like, yeah, I know this. I can quote it. Um, Do I still obey it? We speed read over areas of our Bibles because we've become so familiar with it, and we don't allow the very same word to keep on challenging us afresh to obey him, and sometimes there's a blatant disobedience. We don't want to obey Jesus. (laughs) Um, We don't want to do what is right. We want to do what is wrong. But disobedience will always be a barrier for you to be fed by the word of God. You can spend time in the word, but if you're not obeying the word, you won't be fed by the word of God. I want to show you a quick um, mood lightener. Okay. That's the video cue, yeah. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Right, most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus Says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, you, you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. (laughs) My friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. (laughs) She knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said Talk about how much we know. It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. All right. Go clean your room. <laughs> Friends, part of your breakthrough in your relationship with God lies in you just starting to obey Jesus. And there's parts where Jesus has been speaking to you. Just start obeying him. It's in the obeying that you get to know him as well. Jesus says in the Gospel of John that if you love me, you will obey me. I will love you. My Father will love you. We will make our home with you, and I will manifest or reveal myself to you. So as you obey Jesus, you get to discover who he is. As you step out in faith and you choose to trust him based on what he tells you in his word, you start to experience the God of the Bible. Now, we're going to go into a time of of reflecting and responding to the word tonight. And something just in preparation for tonight that I really felt is often when we go through, um, and the the team can do, you can do the thing with the lights. 
Because I want you to connect with God right now. And I want you to, to respond to what God is stirring in your heart. But sometimes we go through a week like this with a prayer and fasting and um, you hear testimonies of what God has done for other people, but you sit here and you haven't received your breakthrough. There's stuff in your life that, that hasn't been, prayers that hasn't been answered yet. Um, and and, and if, if we don't engage with that theme or that thought in our hearts, it can become a hard heart where we start to lose hope. We stop to engage with God. We stop to trust God. We stop to bring our lives before God. But maybe you didn't get the breakthrough this week. Maybe this is your first time in church and you've maybe not been getting a breakthrough for a long time in your relationship with God. But I want to say to you tonight, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Sometimes God says, wait. Not now. Sometimes God says, wait. And it's in those times when our true motives are tested. It's in those times when the desires of our hearts are tested. Sometimes God says no. You see, when we become born again, the Bible says that we become children of God. And we need to learn what it means to be a child of God. The first part very much is you need to know that you are deeply loved. You are not your past. You are not what people say about you. You are not all the things that you say about yourself. You are deeply loved by God, fully accepted in Christ. You are God's child, not an orphan, not an outsider, not a hireling, not a soldier in God's army and He sends you out just to do a battle. You're His child, His son and His daughter. Yes, we are on a mission with our Father, not a slave master. Not this general that just sends out commands, but with our Father who loves us deeply. With Jesus, the chief champion in the battle. You're a child of God. But we're not spoiled children. God teaches us. He disciplines us. Sometimes He says no. And we need to learn that God is working with eternity in mind. Sometimes God says wait, sometimes God says no because He has something much bigger in plan. And sometimes we, we, we have these Christianese words, like if God doesn't give you breakthrough now or He doesn't give you this now, it's because He has something better for you. And we can so quickly fall into a trap where I am the center of everything that God wants to do. Friends, God is busy working all things into eternity. One day Jesus comes back and His heart is longing for the most amount of people to get saved, to be born again, to know their Father. Not everything is about us. Sometimes God says no because it's just no. Because He's got something else in mind for eternity's sake. You didn't get that job because God has a better paying job maybe for you. Sometimes He does, but not always. It's not so much about us. So sometimes God says no, sometimes He says wait. I want to read a portion from John 6. So it's in this story where um, Jesus feeds the 5,000 people with the loaves of bread and the fishes. Um, and then verse 26 is the next day. Um, and these people came looking for Jesus again. And Jesus says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life 
which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. So Jesus is saying to them, you didn't come back because of me. You didn't come back because I proved to you that I am the Son of God. You came back because you were hungry. I fed you and you're hungry again. That's why you're here. Then they go on and say to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? (laughs) Again, focusing on the works. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. Therefore they said to Him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers, referring back to the wilderness where God fed them with manna from heaven, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. <laughs> they just don't get it. Jesus is saying to them, don't seek, this, don't seek the bread that you need again tomorrow. tomorrow. Seek me. And they're like, okay, but what sign will you do to prove to us? Remember, our fathers got food from heaven. It's like, we're still hungry, Jesus. Still give us food. And Jesus points them back and says, I am the bread of life. The very thing that you want is me. And often, friends, we find ourselves in a place where we want the things of God more than we want God. And we come back to God because we want bread again. And Jesus says, no, what you're really looking for is me, to believe in me, to feed on me. It's in the season of waiting, and this is something that that we've had to experience and wrestle through ourselves. Because some of the stuff that we're praying for isn't a one week, a three week, a three month, a one year prayer. Some of them last longer. And it's in these seasons of waiting where you have to wrestle for truth. You have to fight for truth in your heart. And the truth you fight for is no longer the thing you want. Very important. There are things we are trusting God for. There are breakthroughs in our lives that we are trusting God for. But in the season of waiting, the truth you're fighting for is more than the thing you want, the thing you want Jesus to do. You're fighting for a truth about who He is and who who you are to Him. You're fighting for the truth that God still loves you. That just because He hasn't answered your prayer, He hasn't forgotten about you. You're fighting for a truth that God isn't treating you differently. You're fighting for a truth that God hasn't turned His back on you or given up on you. You're fighting for a truth that you are loved by God. That He gave Himself up for you. That He sacrificed Himself so that you could know Him. There's a truth beyond the thing that you want. And that's Jesus. And that's the truth that we have to fight for. Sometimes we can fall into this place where we look to other people and and how they've received breakthrough. And maybe at the end of this week, you're like, yeah, I didn't really fast as I wanted to fast. Um, I heard someone else fasted only, like everything, they only drank water and I gave up social media. Maybe that's why God didn't answer my prayer. I didn't read my Bible as much as I wanted to. Maybe that's why God didn't give me the breakthrough. I didn't read my Bible this morning or... Um, I cursed at a car swerving in front of me on my way to work. Maybe that's why God didn't answer my prayer. God is not looking at the level of your sacrifice, friends. Psalm 16 to 17 says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. 
See, friends, the good news about the gospel is that you don't have to look for the perfect sacrifice to please God. The perfect sacrifice already died on the cross that allows you to know God deeply. What God is looking for is an honest heart. What He is looking for is a broken and contrite spirit, a spirit that can come before the Father in humility and say, Lord, I have sinned. I have sin in my life. I'm not blame-shifting my own brokenness. I'm not putting my sin on someone else. I have sin in my life, Lord. I am broken. I have sinned against you, Father. And that is what pleases the Lord. When we have a spirit of humility, and we can come before Him with a broken and contrite spirit, because then the gospel can start to work. Yes, we need to seek God. And if God tells you to fast by only drinking water, you'll do well to obey God, right? But it's not the level of your sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice is already done on the cross. So I'm going to ask the rest of the band to come up. And we're going to have a time of just responding to the word before we're going to respond with, with song. But there's two things that, that we need to step into. And the first one is we need to engage with the word with our spirit. You need to engage the word with your spirit first. Right? You are spirit before you are flesh. You are spirit before you are mind and intellect. And often our minds and our intellects are the barriers for us to just sit with God. Now, you should understand Scripture. You should engage with Scripture with your mind, but you should engage with it with your spirit first. And that, can simp and that takes the pressure off of you. Who made your spirit come alive? It was Jesus. Who poured out His spirit into you when you become born again? It was God. It takes the pressure off of you to just start engaging with the Word of God. It's got nothing to do with you. Just go and sit, open your Bible and read. Your spirit is feeding. Your mind doesn't have to understand always. Just sit and read and let your spirit feed on the Word of God. Understanding will come. The revelation will come. God will show you what He wants you to do. But just go and sit and start reading the Word of God. Start feeding on the Word of God. And then secondly, we need to learn to wait on God. We need to learn to wait on God. Friends, God is seeking you out. He's seeking me out. And sometimes He's quick to reveal Himself. But sometimes He's drawing you and me deeper. And for you and me to, to get to know God deeply, to experience Him deeply, we need to learn to wait. There's an impatience in our hearts that God wants to settle. There's an anxiety in our souls that God wants to settle. And sometimes it's deliberately late because we need to learn to wait. So we're going to respond in a couple of different ways tonight. And I want the, the team and just our prayer team and our ministry team just to come to the front on the right. And I'll explain it and then you get to respond how you feel led. But on my left, there's communion, right? So you read that scripture in John 6, where Jesus said the weird things about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now Jesus says, unless you partake of my body and partake of my blood, you cannot have any part of me. But when we partake of his body and his blood, we abide in him. And the invitation I want to give to you tonight is, let me go this way.
as you go over to the communion table, it's not just a space of remembrance. It's not just a place where you go and take communion and say, God, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Amen. And you go on. If you partake of communion tonight, I want you to be weary where Jesus says, partake of my body. The body that was bruised and beaten. Where Jesus denied himself. Where Jesus gave up his own rights. And he died on the cross. And in the same way, we're saying, Jesus, as I'm partaking of your body tonight, I'm giving up my life. I'm laying my life down. I'm giving up myself. I'm identifying with what you've done. I'm partaking of your body. body. But in the same way, Jesus, as your body was resurrected by the Spirit of God, I partake of that and I walk now in newness of life. I'm partaking of your body tonight. And then when we partake of his blood, we drink his blood that was shed say Jesus I'm partaking of your blood tonight that cleanses me from sin sin will no longer define me sin will no longer be the stronghold over my life the Bible says that it cleanses us it washes us clean so the accusations over your life are washed clean where the enemy comes in and he accuses you of your past it's washed clean and you no longer have to walk with it because you've partaken of his blood it's washed you clean. You are pure, holy, and righteous because you have partaken of Him. You are abiding in Him. For some of you, going to communion might be a place of recommitting your life to Jesus tonight where you've drifted and you've gone your own way. And tonight, you need to partake of Christ and re-surrender your life to Him and say, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior of my life. I want to abide in you. On this side, there's going to be a team of people, and if you just want to receive a word, if you just want to have someone pray over your life and trust God for a word of encouragement over your life, then you are welcome to go and spend some time there. And then for the rest, the band's just going to start playing softly in the background, not singing just yet. You can go, you can put on Psalm 27. You're going to sit. You're going to sit with God for a moment, and you're going to learn to wait on God. And we're going to trust that God will come and speak to you. That God will show up. As you respond and you wait, that God will show up. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So we're going to spend some time waiting on God. I'm going to put out these front lights and then you're welcome to go to any of the two stations as you feel led and comfortable.
Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I'll read it again. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I feel that there's someone or people here tonight and you have a desire in your heart to say, Lord, I'm tired of chasing after things. I'm tired of doing my own thing. I'm tired of trusting in earthly things because it doesn't satisfy. I'm, I'm desiring this, Lord. I'm desiring this to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to live and inquire in His temple. And I want to invite you, if that word resonates with you, won't you go to the, to the, the prayer corner and allow someone just to pray over your life. I believe that God wants to come and give you that desire tonight. Some of you are um, struggling to connect with God in the Spirit. Um, you're, you're struggling to really engage with God in the Spirit. And I just want to pray over your life for an activation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for an infilling of the Holy Spirit of your, over your life. So I want to ask if, if that's you, if you're saying, God, I'm struggling to engage with you in the Spirit, um, but I, I want to get a breakthrough in that, would you just stand? stretch your arms out in a posture of receiving. Just lift up your hands like this. Would you just to close your eyes. Father, would you come and just speak into their hearts right now the deep love of the Father. Come and just show them right now, Lord, how much you love them. Just allow God to come and tell you how much he loves you right now. where you are, just start to thank Him for His love. Just start to thank Him for His love. Just start to thank Him that He is your Father. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit enables us to call out Abba, Father. say, Lord, thank you that you are my Father. Thank you that you are a good Father. The Bible says that 
if a father knows how to give good things to his children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now you just ask your Father who loves you to give you the Holy Spirit, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then you receive the good gift from your good Father. Just ask Him right now. thank you that as your children ask you respond thank you that you just breathe over them a newness of life an outpouring of your spirit Lord, in Jesus name